It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. But do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Hey, with an effective character, so we guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. And James here. The opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, we'll be sharing our experience about grieving in this episode 225 of the Defective Characters Podcast. Let's go. Woo-hoo. I know. Gre- I thought you said skiing. Skiing. I did not. I did not say skiing. I it's said grieving. I said grieving. Uh, because this touched all of us this this past week, uh, I first heard I so I guess this is how it came about um, when I got a call from Dennis telling us one of our dear friends Ray that his wife was not doing well she was in the hospital um, and kind of cluing us in I don't know how you heard James um, but it made me think of the amount of times I know in the past nine years. There've been things, and it doesn't even have to be death. It can be, uh, you know, I went through a time grieving a relationship uh, with a partner. Also, I've been grieving with a relationship of of friends. Sometimes you have to go through that in sobriety early on when you're stripping yourself of people, places, and things. Um, so this is grieving is one of the emotions that I think happens to a lot of us, even if it's grieving the drink uh or grieving the drug so it has many layers of relatability and um that's that's how i i came up with it so we want to talk about the last seven days i imagine part of it's probably going to be the grieving that we've felt uh in our circle but uh do you want me to go first since i came up with the topic dennis sure okay um so i'll hit on the last seven days last seven days um had ups and downs. My uh, my daughter had a impossible time sleeping for a couple days, and I was trying to trying my best to, to help her actually be able to fall asleep and stay asleep because she's been waking up crying. I think having night terrors or just separation anxiety, but it's been bad for the whole household. So I've been trying to play both sides of it and, um, you know, it's tough because there are certain times as a parent that you have to punish your, your kid. But when it's because that they miss you or that's what they're saying, um, it's, it's difficult. So I I've been dealing with some of that, but making sure that I keep my side of the street clean with all of it. And, um, you know, don't open my mouth and insert foot, uh, has been some good advice that I've got, uh, from a lot of great friends. So, um, you know, so that was that. And then, uh, later today, I'm hoping to have some fun, go to Hollywood studios, ride some rides and do all that stuff. So that's something I'm looking forward to anyway, uh, later today. And I think it'll be great. And of course, um, I got a chance to see under the circumstances that, 
none of us wanted. Uh, got to see a lot of our fellowship come together uh, for the passing of our dear friend Ray's uh, spouse. So that was that was the last seven weeks. Some, some highs, some lows, and a lot of program to help me get through it. So that's it, Dennis. Yeah, my last seven days were pretty heavy, pretty crazy. You know, I got the call from Ray, who I'm really close to. Um, And so that was heartbreaking, you know, um, talking with him. And, you know, I know his wife and stuff. And it happened so quick. And then within a matter of like, you know, a day and a half a night like two days like she had passed and so that was really you know hard I guess you know and it was more I found it being more hard because I was worried about Ray and his daughter more than like necessarily about losing her because she's at peace now and they're not Um, so you know talking to Ray a lot and, and seeing him uh, the next morning after she had passed and stuff it was really, really heavy for me. And then like right after that, like the infection in my tooth came back. So then like I started getting worried about that. Like, Oh no, like that's not good. And then everything on top of it, I ended up waking up at, like, I went to bed, and I woke up, and this is, like, Saturday or something, or Friday night, and I woke up at, like, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, like, panic mode, freaking out, and I had really, really bad episode to where I was, like, pacing downstairs until, like, 4 o'clock in the morning or 4.30 in the morning, like it got to a point to where my dad was like, like put his little Fitbit watch type thing on my hand to measure my heart rate and stuff. And like, like halfway through within like a few hours, I had walked like 1600 steps before I finally like was able to like calm down enough to like go to sleep in a chair, you know? Um, so that was really rough for me. So then the next morning we went to the dentist offices and like, I was able to get like some antibiotics and then like the next closest time or appointment I could get was the Monday. So I had to wait another day, but at least I had the antibiotics. So like I had a little bit of peace of mind. So then come Monday, I, wake up early, like, you know, early, get there first thing in the morning and, and see the doctor. And I end up getting my tooth pulled. And then right after that, I, you know, had to meet up with, uh, Mike and, and James. And then we went to, uh, the wake of our friend who passed. So it was a very, very hard day and hard weekend for me. But it was nice seeing everyone, though. That's a one positive is seeing everyone come together and being supportive of him was very beautiful. What about you, James? Yeah, uh, I, I brought my my two boys back home on Wednesday. Uh, they're back in school. 
Um, I'm headed back down to Miami at the, the last weekend of the month. Um, Talitha has a, a speaking engagement for an AA-related event, kind of like one of those things where they go on all day. And uh, she was invited. She was invited to speak last year, so she's invited back. And um, I told um, I told my boys that I'm getting a hotel for the weekend. You want to come? And my oldest is like, uh, "No, I won't be there. Uh, I'll be in Orlando." <laughs> I was like, "You little turd." <laughs> He's going to um, Universal with uh, some friends um, with their church. And I was wonder- I wondered if he was going to ever tell me. If he wanted his old man to be there with all his friends, I don't think I'll ask him because I don't want to know the answer. And um, I think it when you know the answer, (laughs) (laughs) same thing as if you were his age. And then um, the little one, he's not so little anymore. He's like, Yeah, sure, I'll meet you or I'll go with you for the weekend. So I was thinking if it's like a two day AA event. Should I bring my son, my 16-year-old, to, like, listen to some cool stories? Or should I leave him at the hotel? He might be bored, but he'll have his phone. So, I don't know. What do you guys think with that? And then, um, you know, like you said, it was really fun. I shouldn't say fun. It was, it was quite an experience to see everyone in one place that I've grown to love and cherish over the last six and a half years in my sobriety. And um, there's just a few people missing, uh, some that have already passed to the great beyond, like Danny and, and William. And, um, you know, I was, I was missing Al, but I got to see Steve and Richard. I just wish I could have stayed longer. Um, I heard Richard saying Amazing Grace. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. It was uh, it was good to see you, and um, it was um, quite an event to see Dennis with his face all swollen because when he tried to smile, it looked mm-hmm. like he was like smirking or just kind of being like um, when he tried when he smiled when I made him laugh, he looked disgusted because he couldn't really smile. So he's like, yeah. Yeah. "It looked like smile. my face was on sideways or something." Yeah, like, so you had the disgusted look. It was the funniest thing. And you're like, "Don't make me laugh." So um that's about it. I got a working a lot cuz I'm um, making up for the 2 weeks. I basically took off 2 weeks. I only worked 2 days in 2 weeks. But Instead of planning for that, I just didn't work. So when I don't work, I don't make money. So now, um, now I'm kind of recovering from that. So I, I made a, I told my wife, I was like, yeah, next week, next year, if I take off two weeks, I'm going to save up two weeks ahead of time. So good, you know, so you're you're going to do what I think like a good chunk of people, regardless of what your job is, even if your salary Usually bosses nowadays make you work. If you're taking two weeks off, they make you work two weeks worth of additional work the two weeks before. So you're going to do that to prepare. So that way you have that money. And when you get back, it can just be back in the swing and not like paying back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have a choice. Yeah. Well, I do, but I'll just be, you know, I don't want to be in emergency mode. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, th- and that's, I mean, maybe that's something in the program that, that taught us like uh, how to do it because in the past, yeah. I mean, I was in incredible uh, credit card debt uh, before realizing that I had to get things. I mean, really, I think I realized, but I wasn't able to do anything with it uh, because I spent so much when I was still uh, out there uh, drinking and using I didn't care about money and I put it on my ex-wife to actually take care of all of it. And then I let her do that up until we got divorced. And then I looked at it and I'm like, how do we have this much debt? And at that point I was sober, but still it was something that I wasn't, I wasn't looking at. And now in the program, um, I know like I've learned a lot about um, just, I guess for lack of a better term, I guess like being an adult, you know, yeah. of like the right things to do, uh, not not spending money that you fully know you cannot actually pay back, you know, no matter what. Um, so, yeah, well, well, James, it really was. It was great. Great to see you. Um, you and I both had to to head out you with work and I had to uh, pick up the kids at school. But uh, it really was great to see everybody come together. Uh, even though we were all grieving, it's nice when you don't have to do it alone. Uh, you know, you can yeah. be around other people who each had a different experience and reason probably for being there, you know, whether it was um, for her passing or for the family that was dealing with the, the grief or our friend Ray as well. Um, I, I know the first thing, the first moment I felt like I was grieving in recovery was I was grieving the drink. Um, and then I got introduced to people, places and things of, Hey, just right now, probably stay away from the places and the people that used to, uh, peer pressure you into drinking, you know? And I got told like, Hey, the people that used to hang around with, when you tell them that that you're no longer uh, drinking, what's their reaction? And most of their reaction, unfortunately, the people that are not a part of my life now, we're, we're all the same. Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, that'll never last. And uh, to be fair, uh, that's the majority. The majority um, do not get this. The first, second, third round of it are not able to stack up more than a month because it is really tough. You do have to change. I had to change everything. Um, and there was a lot of grief with that because I wanted to still hang out with those people. And some of them, I had to find out the hard way of going and hanging. And then the night was awful and there was no apology towards their end. You know, I, I would go out with a good friend and, um, he didn't, he didn't get that just because I wasn't drinking, then he thought it would mean that I would just do uh, more Coke with him, you know? And I said, no, that's, that's not the way that it works. And uh, his health has since super declined. Uh, he, his body is failing. And honestly, as every single year we come into a new year, uh, I, I said it the last three years, I'm shocked if he's going to make it into the next year because his liver and his kidneys and everything are just, they're just shot, you know, from all that. So there's a lot of grief that I have. And even outside of recovery, 
there's stuff that I, I grieve because as people grow older, some of my friends that are outside the program, they have their, their lives, they have their jobs and their lives get a lot smaller. Uh, and I think that's a normal thing except in recovery it it allows it just to keep getting bigger it's almost like the opposite for me of there's there's people and they say you have so many friends how do you have this many friends and i remember the first year that i was sober um i couldn't really go any to any town because there would be five towns around that i would go to meetings i couldn't go to any of those towns and actually go out for coffee without somebody else seeing me and stopping and talking um and it's it just it's great. So I counter grief with using the program of making sure um, that I stay connected to the fellowship. You know, I think that's so important. And it's something that is really free. You know, it's free to be connected to somebody else. It just takes a little bit of time uh, to open up and have a conversation. And it's amazing. You know, I, uh, I think it could have been a ton sadder on Monday if no one showed up and instead how many people were there a hundred maybe 150 hundred you know 100 people that came around um so at least uh, we were able to grieve together and get through it so it turned out to be a, a special thing thanks to this program so that's what I got Dennis yeah um I don't know. I don't do very well with grieving. <laughs> as far as the like the drink stuff, I never really grieved the the drink. Um, by the time that I came into the rooms and stuff, I had not drank for like a year and a half and stuff, and I was kind of over that life, you know. Um, so I never really missed it that much because I thought it was killing me or I knew it was killing me. So I was ready to not, um, I do grieve myself sometimes <laughs> like life because of my condition. It prevents me from doing a lot of things that I would have liked, liked to do under normal circumstances. But as far as grieving with loss, like, you know, I don't deal with it too well. Um, just that I'm sensitive and it affects me a lot. Like I remember when my grandma passed and I was in recovery, um, it was hard. It, you know, I still miss her. It like kind of never goes away, but it definitely gets a lot easier and it gets a lot easier when you have friends and fellowship and, and family around that, like, that can comfort you you know, so you don't have to do it all. And also like distract you, teach you how to like have fun again and live again and laugh again. Um, with this time around, it's, uh, I don't know. It's really sad. Like I said earlier, it was like, um, when I first talked to Ray before she had passed, and like hearing him and how much pain he was in it, like I instantly, and like at that point we kind of knew where it was headed um, because of what was going on. 
And so he started grieving before she even passed and like listening to him and how much pain he was in just put me in a lot of pain. And, you know, I think dealing with that is just kind of like the way I deal with it is I accept that it's a part of life and, you know, and then I acknowledge that it does suck, you know, but then also realize in this particular instance is that like my friend was like no matter how I was feeling my friend was feeling a thousand times worse so I thought about like what he needed is he needed someone just to be able to cry to right and someone to like not make empty promises or like you know oh it's going to be okay or everything happens for re- like all of that kind of stuff it's like no acknowledge like yeah it sucks what you're feeling is a valid feeling you know laid on me you know and i think that is way more comfortable or comforting than like empty promises um and i think it's important you know although we're grieving and it's sad and it's going to take however long it takes is that we try to live, you know, because no matter who passes, whether it's a friend, family member, even an acquaintance or a coworker or whatever, um, just because they had passed, we have to remember that we are still alive and that those people want us to be happy and want us to live. So the quickest that we can get back into like a normal routine And then also learning how to enjoy things again, like um, enjoying a meal, enjoying hanging out with friends, enjoying going, doing an activity or something I think is really important. And I think the more you force yourself to do that and the quicker you're able to force yourself to do that, the quicker that you'll come out of that, like, all is doom and gloom and how am I going to move on with my life without this person in it to like, you know, that normal, you know, you're going to be sad whenever you think about it, but then you can also think about the happy memories and stuff and, and continue to live. Um, one thing, like I'll end with this, but one thing that gave me a lot of hope, when I was talking to uh, Ray was, you know, like there's these five stages of grief, right? Where we have like the denial, the anger, the bartering, then finally acceptance and all of that kind of stuff is I didn't hear any of those early stages of grief you know, it, it, once it happened, it it was moved to acceptance and obviously there was devastation and, and definitely grieving and sadness, but it was an acceptance. There was no, why me, why is this happening? How could this happen or any of that? It was, uh, she's gone. And then, you know, I'm kind of lost and I'm really sad and whatever, but it's also, he started telling stories about all of these great memories they have and they're traveling and like all the nice things she's done. And she would, he would remind me of stories that 
like involved me in them and stuff. And I think that was probably the healthiest thing I've ever seen with anyone that was truly grieving that much is that he immediately started focusing on like these beautiful memories, you know? And, you know, I think I learned a lot through this process in the, in this past week because of, because of him and the way he handled it. What do you got, James? Hey, I am, um, I think I'm a little on the, on the other end of the spectrum as far as you, Dennis, because, you know, when I f- hear that someone has died or has passed on, I, um, you know, I feel, I feel sad, but I don't, I don't get like emotionally distraught by it. And um, maybe that's because, you know, I've never really had anyone that close to me die when um i was at the wake um i got emotional when i saw ray's daughter and she was just bawling and you know i thought to myself like that's her mommy you know her mom she's got who's she gonna talk to about all her life things and stuff you know it's just you know just cut it's just it was cut short and i remember seeing Ray and his wife at Publix just last month, and she seemed so fine. It's, it was crazy how fast this happened. And um, for me, I I do believe that God gave us this emotion to grieve um, for a reason. You know, everything, everything on this earth and in this universe has um, an expiration date. Nothing last forever absolutely nothing and um some things last longer than others so when we we accept this um it can make it a little easier but it's still gonna hurt that's why we do grieve and um you know i went to i thought for just a moment like what it would be like if one of my children died and um i I started thinking about, I, I don't think I hit eight seconds before. Like, I can't go down that path. I don't even want to know what that feels like. So, you know, if someone close to me, like my mom or my dad, or my wife or one of my children died, I think I might have a completely different outlook on how I do now. Um, I can be there for people. I can be empathetic. I can truly... Um, care for people that I love um, when they're feeling uh, this this really profound emotion that is God-given. Um, for me, um, I hope I don't have to go through it anytime soon. But if, when I do, you know, lose someone that's close to me, I know that I will have just a plethora of friends and family that will be there to support me much like Ray. Uh, it was a beautiful turnout and um, he did look, you know, he, he looked excited to see me when I gave him a hug. He was like, Oh, James, it's so good to see you. And I was just like, I felt for him and it was, it was emotional. And um, like you said, Dennis, it is, it is completely natural and every, everyone feels it a little different. The thing is to just be kind and loving 
uh, maybe a little more to people who are going through that. So that's what I got. Awesome. Thank you guys. I think, uh, you know, as much as I love this episode, I hope we don't have to have, uh, you know, more episodes this next year as we start um, thinking back about uh, somebody's life and those those emotions. Um, but I'm glad that we, we have a, a place to do it, you know, because like I mentioned earlier, it's like you are not supposed to go this through this thing alone. If there's only one thing that I know, I know it's I know it's that. So we'll be back next Thursday sharing our experience, strength and hope with you with episode 226 with an effective characters entirely ready to have all these character defects for you to remember god and comfort are always our goal and we'll see you next time